Hey ASM, how's it going? Uh, if you are new with us this week, you've somehow stumbled upon our video, a friend invited you to come and watch this with them. Uh, my name is Curtis. I am one of the pastors here at ASM or Alderwood Student Ministry. Uh, if you're watching this video on your own, that's totally fine. Uh, what I'm gonna ask you to do though is grab a copy of God's Word. You can uh, look it up online or if you have a physical copy that you can pull out and have there with you so that you can actually follow along as we're teaching through uh, this passage. Uh, the intention for all of these videos is that you would use them in the context of your small group during our midweek gatherings on Zoom. So hopefully you have had your small group time. Now you're going to watch this as a uh, small group, and then you're going to move into a time of discussion after the video is over. Thank you so much for gathering with us this week. Let's see what Austin's prepared for us this week. Hey ASM, you know, I feel like I say this every single time, but I miss you guys. I can't wait to see you again. Um, hope you guys are doing well. We're going to continue in our study in Timothy, and we're going to go ahead, just jump right in. Um, you know, one of the things that I've just been thinking about, uh, I'm very blessed that I live with great roommates. You're probably living at home with your parents, and you've probably been there for a couple months. Uh, and can you relate to this? It has your mom or, or maybe your dad, they've given you a chore and they remind you a couple of times, right? You wake up in the morning like, hey, can you uh, put the laundry away, do the dishes and vacuum? And they tell you that in the morning. You don't do it because of course you don't. Uh, then a little bit later, like, hey, remember, I want to make sure that today you take care of, do the laundry, do the dishes, vacuum, right? They tell you these things. You don't do it. Tell you one more time, maybe they're gonna go head out, they're gonna go grocery shopping, like, hey, when I come back, make sure that you've done the laundry, done the dishes, and you've vacuumed. And then they leave, and then you're at home, and you're sitting there, and you hear the car come around the corner, and you've just been watching Netflix, or you've just been playing video games, and you haven't done anything, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, they told me this, but I just wasn't listening, or you probably were listening, and you just said, oh well, I'll do it later. And you scramble at the last second, and I know I definitely did this when I had to vacuum. I would like sweep up like the crumbs or whatever was obvious to make it look like I vacuumed, move the furniture a little bit so it looks like it. It's all bad, don't do this. But they come around the corner, and, and you're just scrambling to get it done because you kept putting it off because you, maybe you heard it, maybe you, you just zoned out, whatever it is, you were not paying good enough attention and you were not honestly listening. Uh, and, and you just got caught at the last second, right? This passage is kind of the uh, equivalent of that. And what I mean is it's something that you've probably heard before. If you've spent any time in a church, you've probably heard these two big things that are, that are going to come out of our, our letter to Timothy today from Paul. Um, you've probably heard them before. And it's really easy to just brush it off and say, I've heard that before. I can think about that later. But what I want and what I really desire is for all of us, and myself included, to, to really take a second and let's examine what are we supposed to do with this and what does it look like to actually respond and do this well, right? So our two big things are false teachers and money. These things come up a lot, especially in letters from Paul. And, and so don't zone out. Don't just say, I've heard this before, but, but let's really listen. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to read the passage. I'm going to pray because this is the word of God and this is powerful. So let's pray before we read it. Uh, and then let's talk about it really quick. All right. Join me in prayer. God, this is your word. This is your, this is 
your very words. Let us just sit on that. Uh, God, let your words speak to us. These are powerful. You are powerful, God, and we, we trust you. Um, change us because of the time that we spend in your word today. Help us become a better follower of you. Help us be convicted where we need to be convicted, encouraged, um, lifted up. God, Just I know this is a, a hard time for all of us, but God, your word is encouragement, your word is truth, and also convicts us, God. So we trust that, we trust you, um, and we love you, God. Praise things in your name, amen. All right, like I said, today we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses, the back half of, of verse 2 all the way through verse 10. So let's go ahead and read it, uh, and then let's talk about it. So Paul writing Timothy says this, These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They, are, they have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. It's a gut punch from Paul right there. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. All right, let's start at the top. False teachers. Paul hits it right off the bat. Uh, Focus on these things. If anyone teaches something that's contrary to the truth of Scripture, to the truth of Jesus, they're a false teacher, right? And what are we supposed to do with that? And, and how do we sit with that, right? So I think sometimes, um, and I know I definitely think this way, I think it's obvious. Paul writes this, like, it's obvious. This person that's a false teacher, they're going to be evil. They're going to stand out. Uh, I'm going to know exactly who they are. And, you know, sometimes that's true. I mean, I think, uh, I'm not going to name names, but we can think of some of those televangelists, the, the very, very wealthy pastors that, that say, hey, give me money and God will bless you. Um, those kind of guys, you can kind of tell that. That's obvious here. They have a love of money. It fits within what Paul's saying. But, but even them, like, I, if you actually listen to what they say, they twist words, and you have to actually examine what they say to really find out truth. So, what, what the principle from this for us, I think, is when we're hearing about false teachers and the warning is in order to know that they're a false teacher, in order to know that they're not giving you godly teaching, we have to examine what they teach. Paul actually, uh, and, and we just did Acts last year, right? So if you think back to Acts 17, where there's the Berean Christians, right? So Acts 17, uh, verses 11 to, to part of verse 12 says this, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed. The Berean Jews examined what Paul, Paul's writing this letter. They looked at what Paul said and they compared it to the scripture that they had and they examined to see, is it true? Is what Paul says true to God's teaching? And that's what we're supposed to do with Everything that we hear, everything that I'm saying to you right now, you should examine against scripture to know if it is true. 
And that's not lighthearted. That's not, well, sometimes you do it. No, you should examine. Now, I, I should hope that I have some of your trust, um, that I've earned some of that, but it's possible. I may misspeak. I may have been misled. It's more possible when you look at outside sources. Man, I mean, one of the things that I think is huge that I've seen in myself even, in, in my friends, my family, is that on social media, we're really quick to repost something, especially if it sounds good and Christian, right? So if it sounds like something that I like, I'll repost it, and I may not have really examined it. Uh, and I've seen this before where actually what is said is not entirely true. It may sound really close to truth, but it's been twisted, and it's been twisted to serve someone's gain. It could be political gain, it could be financial gain, just power, popularity, whatever. And before we share something, because A, we're taking that in and believing it, and then we're actually broadcasting it to other people, we need to pause and examine, is it actually true? So look at what someone says, go to the Bible. Open it up, maybe it's on your phone, Google it, I don't care, but look in scripture to see if what is said is true before you believe it and really before you share it. It's huge, I cannot overstate that. That's what Paul is throwing, I said he's throwing a gut punch, he's throwing a haymaker here towards false teachers, this is a big deal. Man, all right, second point, before we get there, Capri Sun. Gotta have, gotta have a snack break, right? Haven't had one of these since I was like a little kid. We found them in here today. All right, second point, we're moving on. This is the second half of the passage. Uh, before we read it, before we go to it, just take a second, pause, let's close our eyes, imagine, right? Wherever you're sitting, at your desk, living room, just imagine with me, you're all grown up. Now I know middle school, it's a long ways off but you're all grown up. Uh, you're, say you're 30, 35 years old, right? What does your life look like? Like, what is your ideal situation? Um, what kind of house do you live in? Like, what does it look like? Where is it? What kind of car do you drive? What's your family look like? What's your job situation? And lastly, what's, what's your financial situation? How are you doing with money? I would be honestly surprised, you can open your eyes, I'd be honestly surprised if any of us desire to have a crappy house, a crappy car, and not much money, right? So let's get that out of the way. We, we probably don't desire that. What you do desire though is probably a pretty nice house, pretty nice car. You're in a good job situation. You've got enough money to be comfortable. And, and what I'm going to say, and what Paul says here is that those are not bad. It's not, money is not just, the fact that you have money does not make you evil. But what Paul is warning against here is that if those goals, if having money comes first, if that is your main priority, that is a danger that actually leads to problems uh, and, and it will destroy your life. And so Paul's issuing a warning here, but he's also issuing a positive command. And the positive command is in verse six that says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Not being comfortable with a lot of money and contentment in that is great gain. He actually says the opposite. When we read verse seven and eight, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That means money. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
So verse 7 is a quote from the Old Testament, and one of the places it comes up is the story of Job. And Job was this dude who loved God. He was a righteous man, and uh, Satan uses him to try to prove to God that he only loves God because he has money. And ultimately in this story, Job loses everything. I mean, everything good he loses, and he's left with nothing. And then at the end, God makes his powerful statement. It's, it, it's a rough story to read, but he makes a powerful statement basically to Job saying, hey, I am enough. I am God. I am the only thing that matters. And Job serves as proof that contentment is in God, not in being wealthy, not in having things, right? Paul also serves as proof. So in, in 8, when he says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. There were times when Paul didn't have those things, when Paul's imprisoned and beaten, right? He may not have had good food or clothing, right? So we can look at these people that are, are being brought into this story, and we have to compare that to our own desires. Now, I'm not saying you should desire to be imprisoned and beaten, um, but what you have to ask is, if I live in a situation where I may not have everything I want, where you may only have the bare necessities, because God will take care of you. God will provide our physical, spiritual, uh, and emotional needs, right? God will provide that, but he is the source of that. So he is the source of our physical needs, of our spiritual needs, of our emotional needs. We rest in God in that. We don't rest in our money. So when you're thinking about your life and your situation, what, what is it that you're content with? So here's where we want to close, and, and we have to do something with this, right? Remember what I said at the start, is, this isn't just something that you hear a couple times, you're like, oh, eventually it'll come up and I'll scramble and get to it. No, we're supposed to do something with it now. So I'm going to ask you some hard questions that you have to examine for yourself that no one else can tell you. So the first one, when you think about the first part, false teachers, how often do you honestly stop and think and examine scripture when you hear something about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, how often do you actually stop and examine it? And the second one, if you never had that dream scenario, if you never had any of it, and you just barely got by in life, do you honestly feel like you could be content with God? And don't just say yes because you're supposed to, but, but and maybe this is just between you and God, but do you honestly feel like you can be content with that? And if not, why? What is lacking in that relationship? Man, this is a powerful passage. I love this passage. I love Timothy. This is a great book, a great letter. Um, we're nearing the end, but I hope you guys have had a great time. Uh, enjoy your time in small groups, uh, and we miss you guys and can't wait to see you again. Mm -hmm.